0: Amen, amen, amen. Brother Logan Sargent is our youth pastor here at Cornerstone. You know, we've been blessed. We've had a lot of really, really good, dedicated, consecrated youth leaders, youth pastors. And I'm very thankful as the pastor uh, for the consecration and dedication that brother and sister Logan Sargent bring to the table um, they're a tremendous blessing. Yes. Amen. And right now, without any further delay, let's put our hands together one more time. Brother Sergeant, come. Preach to us in Jesus' name. Love you. Love you. you. Oh, come on, let's magnify Him. Let's worship Him. Lord, I worship You. I praise You. You're a mighty God. I can still worship you on a Tuesday night, God. Lord, I may be tired. I may be weary, but I'm still going to praise you. I worship you, Jesus. You've been too good, God. You've been too good, God. Oh, I magnify you, Jesus. I magnify you, Jesus. As a youth pastor, you don't often get to see the fruits of your labor too often. Um, but seeing Brother Georgie be used in the anointing and the will of God and see him consecrated and dedicated and disciplined is one, really one of the greatest, greatest, greatest gifts for me and my wife. Let's go ahead and just clap his hands. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Georgie. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for speaking to me. I'm so blessed with this opportunity um, to bring forth the word to you. Uh, It's not too often that you get to feed the hands that have fed you. And I take this very seriously. I've been fasting and praying for direction um, about this service. Um, But I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed to be in this church and a part of this church. And all the people have played such a crucial role in my, lo- my life, I want to thank Pastor for just being the watchman on the wall, um, just supporting me, and my wife, uh, through everything in um, youth ministry as well. Uh, and I'm also thank- so thankful for my wife. Uh, she is my rock. <laughs> she is so anointed, and I'm so excited to see what God's going to do in her life. Uh, If I completely flop, I'm just going to throw the mic to her, and she'll wrap it up for me. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, Joshua chapter 5, verse 10. Joshua chapter 5, verse 10. And I want to preface this. I really believe that God has given me a word for the hour that we are in today and I, I believe that he's given me a word for the church but I'm going to preach to myself tonight I'm going to preach myself tonight Joshua chapter 5 verse 10 if you have it says this and the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho and they did eat of the old corn or the old bread of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the self same day, and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And I want to preach to you tonight. Um, I really wrestled with a title. I really didn't have one until I came here, but I want to preach to you tonight about I'm changing my appetite. I'm changing my appetite. Let's go ahead and just magnify him one more time. Lord, I worship you and I praise you. Lord, I pray that you change me tonight. Lord, I pray you speak to your people, that you empower my mind, God, that you speak into my mind, that you take over control over my tongue, Lord. I pray that you speak a word, a life into your people today. We worship you, we praise you, we give you all the glory and all the honor, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may be seated. For the sake of time, I'm really going to try to get through a lot of, a lot of things here real quick, so I apologize for beating speedily, but... I want to talk to you about changing, I'm changing my appetite. Our text here tonight takes us to the banks of the Jordan River. After years of wandering, Israel has now exited the era of the wilderness. Now on the other side of the the river, Israel takes its first steps into the land that was promised to them. Gilgal, although geographic physically, marks a place of transition for the nation of Israel. The wilderness, although... It was not their home. It was a land that, that they took residence in for the last 40 years. Children were born here. The first generation died here, and a leader was succeeded here. Now, on the other side of the Jordan River, everything that Israel has grown accustomed to in the wilderness is changing. They're in a place of transition. Can I get amen? We've heard a lot about transition. I'm going to talk about it again tonight. They are in a place of transition. Not only has the landscape changed for the children of Israel, but the very food they have to eat has changed. Verse 12 documents this change in dietary intake, and it says, and the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten the old corn of the land. For for 40 years, Israel has been living off of the wilderness diet. This diet consisted of only manna and quail. We see a similar transition that occurred uh, 40 years earlier when Israel first entered into the wilderness. Exodus 16 says this, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, What to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat of the bread to the full. For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger." In this text, Israel has now run out of their provisions that they brought from Egypt. As their food supply began to dwindle, hunger impacted the people. The Bible doesn't say how long they went without food, but this hunger is displayed as so intense that, driven by their appetite, the children of Israel concluded they were better off in captivity. Hunger had not only clouded Israel's judgment so much, That life in Egypt, life as a slave, life in captivity, begin to look more glorious than life in the wilderness. But God responds to the people's complaints. Verse 4 says this, Then said, Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. See, what verse 4 here is describing is God's provision of manna. God is not providing Israel with a free lunch, per se, but God is sending manna to prove or test the people. Verse 31 gives us insight of what manna looked like and tasted like. In the house of Israel called the name thereof manna, and it was like coriander seed, white and the taste of it, was like wafers made with honey. Overall... Manna was a delicate substance, for when the sun came up, manna would melt and become inedible. Uh, There was a routine to gathering manna. It was gathered in the morning before the heat of the afternoon. The manna was gathered uh, for 40 years. And after 40 years of consuming manna and partaking in the same routine of gathering and harvesting, uh, there was no doubt that Israel could guarantee this this supply of manna. There's no doubt that they can guarantee that God was going to supply them with food. But Israel was not living fat and happy on a diet of manna. Biblical scholars speculate that the diet of manna lacked in nutritional diversity. A diet that lacks in nutritional diversity will ultimately lead to undernourishment, malnutrition. Weakened in an increased risk for disease. Numbers alludes to us that manna did not suffice the children of Israel. Numbers 11, chapter 11, verse 5 through 6, we remember, says this, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic, But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Numbers chapter 21 verse 5 says, And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore ye have brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, for there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Even though God was providing Israel with food, Israel's appetite still desired something more. The light bread is translated as insubstantial. One could speculate that manna fed the people of Israel, but it did not nourish them. Manna from heaven allowed the people to survive, but not thrive. After the exit of the wilderness, we see a change in Israel's diet. After 40 years of the same meal day in and day out, after 40 years, a whole generation has been raised and fed off of manna. It is all they know. They have only heard about the food of Egypt. They have never experienced the sweetness of fruit. But they have been given a promise of a land that flowed with milk and honey. I can only imagine the conversations about food as they were going to eat, what they were going to eat in the promised land. I imagine that it it motivated them to put one step in front of the other. I imagine it gave them Hope to last one more day in the wilderness. It gave them hope and drive to get to the land of the promised land. But in Joshua chapter 5, the dreaming is now over. Israel steps foot into the land they were promised. And for the first time in 40 years, Israel's diet changes. Joshua chapter 5 verse 12 says, And the manna ceased. On the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn or the old bread of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna anymore. But they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Once Israel eats of the old corn or the old bread, the seemingly seemingly never-ending supply of manna disappears. Exodus chapter 16 verse 35 says this, And the children of Israel did eat manna for 40 years until they came to the land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came unto the borders of the land of Canaan. And this is what I want to preach to you guys tonight is that manna could not be taken into the promised land. What sustained Israel in the wilderness would not sustain them in the promised land. Once Israel crossed over to the other side, they had changed their appetite. They had to change their diet. They had to change their desires for what God had desired. You see, what has sustained us over across the street will not sustain us here. That prayer life that got you through the wilderness will not sustain you over here. The praise you gave across the street will not sustain you over here. The worship you gave across the street will not sustain you over here. you got to change your appetite. God demands growth. God demands in an increase in consecration. God demands an increase in my prayers, an increase in my worship, an increase in my praise, an increase in my giving, an increase in my time, an increase in my ministry. I've got to change my appetite. I've got to change my appetite. I don't want to live a life off of manna. I've got to change my appetite. God demands a change in our appetite. I want to tell you, the reason why you have felt resistance in your prayer life when we cross the street is that we cannot live off of manna over here. If you feel like you've lost your praise in this new building, you got to change your appetite. The praise you give gave him over here will not suffice God. You got to praise him a little louder. You got to praise him a little longer. You got to give him an abnormal praise. You got to give him a praise with a shout. You got to give him a praise with a loud voice. You got to give him more. Let's go ahead and give God praise right now. Lord, I worship you. I praise you and I magnify you. You are holy. You are righteous. You have been so good. You have never seen the righteous forsaken. God, I trust in you. I praise you. You have been too good to me. You have blessed my finances. You have blessed my family. So I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. God demands a change in our appetite. Our appetite must change. Joshua chapter 5 verse 12 says, And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. We see here in our text that after 40 years of a consistent diet of manna, the very first thing Israel eats is the old corn of the land or the old bread of the land. Now after Israel after 40 years of waiting Israel is ready to partake in the fruit of the land. God had promised them a land that flowed with milk and honey. But the first thing that they ate was the old bread of the land. They ate the leftovers. Amen. Now why did Israel eat old bread as their first meal? They were in the promised land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. Why eat old bread? When Israel crossed over the Jordan, they were celebrating the Passover. According to Levit- Leviticus chapter 23, verse 11, it says the new corn of, or new bread of the land had to be sanctified unto the Lord according to the law. The law required the priest to wave a sheaf before the Lord first before the corn was eaten. This could not be done until after the Sabbath. So now Israel is, is in a place. Transition. Everybody shout "Transition." transition. They're in a place of transition. They cannot eat of the new corn until it is sanctified, and the corn can't be sanctified until the Sabbath. They don't even have any manna because God had caused the manna to cease after they crossed the Jordan. So the only food that they had available to them was the old bread. The old bread was a bread And food of the land that was left by the Canaanites in the fields and the storehouses. The old bread was the leftovers. I can only imagine as the Canaanites fled the lands that they took the best bread that they had. They probably took the best grain that was left in the storehouses. They probably took the mold, They probably left the moldy bread. They probably left the grain and the corn that had expired, but they were still keeping it in their fridge. Amen. Needless to say, they probably didn't leave Israel with the best of the old bread. More than likely, they left, the, left them with the bread that had a little bit of mold on it. They left Israel with bread that had gotten a little soggy from the rain they probably left them with old corn that had a few bugs in it the bread was old it was the leftovers I can only imagine as the conversations were taking place in the Israelite camp we traveled through a desert for 40 years to eat old bread we can't just eat new corn this old bread is rotten it stinks it's got mold on it I'd rather eat manna than this You see, Israelite did not make the mistake that their fathers and their mothers made when they crossed over the Red Sea. God had just done the miraculous by parting the waters of a sea, but when Israel ran out of food, they murmured and complained. They had faith to trust in God when Pharaoh pursued them with his army, but they lacked in faith to see God provide them with bread. Joshua and the children of Israel learned that That lesson, when it came time to eat the old bread, they ate it without any hesitation. They did not complain or desire manna, even though the old bread wasn't what God had promised them. It looked like milk and honey. It didn't look like milk and honey, and it didn't taste like milk and honey. But Israel didn't go back to manna when all they had was old bread. You see, they had a shift in their appetite. Israel changed their appetite. Old bread doesn't look like favor, but I'm going to eat it because I want to be in (laughs) Israel. Eating old bread was a sacrifice. It went against their flesh. It went against their will. Eating the old bread goes against common sense, but Israel had an understanding that if they were going to eat of the fruit of the land, they had to eat the old bread first. Something great begins to happen When you desire God's will first. Amen. If you want to see great revival in these last days. If we want to see a great outpouring of his spirit in these last days. If we want to experience miracles, signs, and wonder. We must change our appetite. There must be a change in our desires. We must desire revival more than we desire our flesh. We must desire miracles, signs, and wonders more than entertainment. We must desire a move of God more than what's going on on social media. We must desire God than our own desires. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. I worship you, God. How do you harvest old bread? You see, old bread has to be sought out. Manna was easy and accessible for Israel, but the old bread had to be sought out. Me just being a a learner by just pictures, and that's how I learned. I can only imagine, I just... I imagine this scripture of them searching out the land of Canaan for old bread, searching in the storehouses, searching through the fields. And this is what harvesting old bread looks like. Lord, this doesn't make sense. Oh, I traveled all this way, but I want to do your will. Lord, I'm seeking you out. I'm on my hands and knees, and I'm, I'm sifting through the spoils of harvest, and I'm trying to find your will. Harvesting old bread is spent on your knees. Harvesting old bread is spent in a prayer room. Doing the will of God is spent on your knees. When it doesn't make sense, you got to stay on your knees. Harvesting old bread goes against our desires. What is the purpose of old bread? You see, Israel is coming out of the wilderness underfed and undernourished. Those that have gone on a long fast before know that you cannot gorge yourself when you break a fast. You'll make yourself sick. You have to slowly introduce food back into your body. The medical field has developed a term called refeeding syndrome. This syndrome occurs when a patient has reintroduced food after malnourishment or starvation. The refeeding process is very controlled and intricate. The right foods have to be slowly introduced. Otherwise, if a patient were to partake in a rapid refeeding process, the body would lose complete control of homeostasis, causing imbalances, causing a rapid shift in electrolytes, fluids, hormones, and minerals. These rapid shifts would cause severe injury to the body and has a high probability of mortality. When Israel ate the old bread, Rather than feasting on new bread, it helped them transition into a place where they could eat and partake of the fruit of the land. The old bread, although old and somewhat rotten, had just the right amount of nutrients, just the right amount of vitamins that allowed the body to adapt to a new diet. You see, Israel could not handle the fruit of the land. They could not go from manna to fruit. They had to eat the old bread first. They had to go against the desires of their flesh. They had to go against their old appetite. They had to develop a new appetite. I apologize. I'm trying to get through this. As Israel began to eat the old bread, something began to change within them. With each bite of the bread, vitamins that they had been lacking started to replenish. With each bite, essential nutrients that had been depleted began to be restored. You see, more prayer doesn't hurt you. It doesn't hinder you. It heals you. More prayer doesn't hurt you. It nourishes you. More church doesn't weigh you down. It brings you up. All church prayer is not a burden. It's a blessing. Fasting doesn't weaken you. It feeds you. Putting God first in everything is not a pain. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. T.W. Barnes said, I rather pray than eat. That's a change in appetite. That's a change in appetite. Lord, I want my appetite to change. Oh, I love you. See what happens? I'm wrapping up here. Musicians, you can come. What happens when you eat of the old bread is that you're showing God I am putting you first. My appetite is changing. My desires are changing. I desire the kingdom that I, more than I desire my own flesh. If you have to come here, if you have come here weary and beat down and tired and just worn out from the wilderness, there's hope here tonight. If you're just worn out from the building program, worn out from your ministry, worn out from working two jobs and still showing up on Tuesday night, you don't know how you're going to get the strength to make it another day. Let alone another revival. Let alone another prayer meeting. You don't know how you're going to give God more. When you feel like you have gave God it your all. Pick up the old bread. Change your appetite. Pick up the old bread and God's gonna give you strength to lay down your walking stick that you relied on in the wilderness. God's gonna give you strength to lay down your staff and pick up a sword and take dominion over the land. You gotta pick up the old bread. Once you make up your mind, I'm changing my appetite. I'm shifting my desires. I'm going to be kingdom-minded. God is going to give you strength to be the prayer warrior you never dreamed of. God is going to give you strength to fast longer than you have ever fasted. God is going to give you strength to pray longer than you ever have. God is going to give you and use you to build his church. God is going to give you power and authority to be a soul winner. God is going to strengthen you and reach the world in these last days. But we got to change our appetite. We got to change our appetite. How many want to see miracles, signs, and wonders? I do. I do. I'm I'm infatuated with old-time Pentecost. I am. Me and my wife have been listening to these teaching series by uh, Brother Billy Cole. And I'm infatuated with their attitude. I'm infatuated with their spirit. I read these books, and anytime I can find a book on old-time Pentecost, it just it intrigues me. I, I, I want to see and experience what they experienced. I, w- I want to know and, and live in the level of faith and dedication and commitment that they did. I want to see the miracles, signs, and wonders we were promised. I want to see a great outpouring of it, the Holy Ghost, I want to see more than 10 people get the Holy Ghost in one service. I want to see 20, 30, 40, 50. I believe it. I want to experience it. This generation needs it. We need it. I want to experience it. All this kind of sparked, I had a conversation with my wife. And she had met with an elder in this church, and they Got it for coffee and they started talking about old time Pentecost. And the elder in the church made a statement How many miracles have you seen? How many people have you seen that have been freed from demonic possession? How many? And my wife responded, "Just I haven't. I haven't. Have see, I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. I want to experience that great outpouring of His Spirit. I want to see people come down to this altar and be healed of blind eyes and and get out of wheelchairs. I want to see people free from, I want to see devils cast out. I want to experience the power and authority that old time Pentecost had. And I really believe but the only way we're going to see that happen is we have to have a change in appetite. have to have a change in our appetite, what we desire. Many of you know of the circumstance that took place um, Friday night of Summit. Um, it's just a very, very tragic thing that happened. A small child passed away here at, the, or, uh, at church during service. And it was a very traumatic experience. And I remember after we had found out that the baby was pronounced dead, that I became angry with God. It's like, God, if any night, a Friday night at Summit, you could raise the dead. And I became not bitter, but just struggling with this. Like, God, we. we I want to experience miracles, and I want to see the dead raised. I want to experience the faith that my grandfather has. I I want to experience it. I want to experience it, and I, I, I really did my best to pray and fast for the service for direction. And while in prayer, I really believe that God spoke to me he brought this whole, that whole circumstance to my mind again and he spoke this to me this message is for me I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you I really feel like he said if you if you want to see miracle signs and wonders of early Pentecost you must change your appetite you must change what you desire you must change what you desire I want everybody to stand, and those that want a change in desire tonight, a change in appetite, that that desire to see the things that happen in old-time Pentecost, to experience the power and the presence of God like no other, that people can come in this service and completely transformed and leave healed, that they just check their wheelchairs at the door. I believe it. I want to see it. But it starts with me. If I want to experience revival in the youth group, I know it starts with me. I got to change my appetite. I got to change my desires. I got to long for the things of God more than I long for my flesh. I got to long for Him more than anything else in this world. More than anything else in this world. I pray that we just come up to the front if you want to change an appetite tonight. If you want to change an appetite tonight. And I'm going to give this service over to Pastor Mayo.